Welcome to the Greener Way podcast, a show about people, planet, and purpose, and how investors and corporate leaders push forward in a complex world. Welcome to the Greener Way podcast. I'm your host and managing editor of FS Sustainability, Rachel Alambakis. In this episode, brought to you by CFS Thrive Plus, we'll be discussing the big picture of responsible investing and why it matters to end investors and the advisors who are assisting them. Joining us for this conversation is Colonial First State Chief Investment Officer Jonathan Armitage. Jonathan has had a storied career in funds management, including a deep experience in sustainable and responsible investment. And I'm delighted to welcome you, Jonathan, to the greener way. Thank you very much indeed. Delighted to be here. Absolute pleasure. So let's just jump straight into it. Um, going from the vast experience that you have as an investor and as a responsible investor, Jonathan, how has ESG and sustainable investing evolved through this time? Well, you're very kind to say it's vast experience. What That's a, a nice way of saying that I've actually been doing this for a while. So, you know, when I first started uh, my career in investments, which was very much in, it was in the early 90s, I think sustainable investing um, really didn't exist. I think that there was an emerging understanding around ESG uh, factors. Um, you know, I think at the time we sort of referred to them really as non-financial factors, which were elements that were sort of outside the numbers that we knew would impact the future returns from the sort of securities that we invested in. But I think it sort of lacked an awful lot of definition. Um, and I think certainly in the sort of early to mid-90s, it was sort of more focused on probably the sort of governance side rather than uh, the environment um, or, uh, or or sort of a sort of strong focus on the sort of societal side of things. Um, you know, but I, I think having um, studied geography at university, I, I had a sort of, you know, quite a strong focus on the way that companies operated, people acting have an impact um, on the environment. So there was a there was a particular sort of personal focus on that. But I think from a, an investment uh, angle per se, this was still a sort of a nascent area. And so there has been, you know, very significant change uh, in this to the point where you know, now I think it is the industry standard that these factors are absolutely embedded into investment processes across um, all asset classes. And, you know, it is very much sort of part and parcel of, of the, the way that investors think about the decisions that they make and so much greater understanding. But it also, you know, not notwithstanding that, there is still um, plenty of challenges around the terminologies that we use um, and still the, the, the data that sits behind uh, looking at these sort of factors, um, there's a lot of it, but not all of it is sort of standardized. And I think that that's sort of, you know, one of the areas that the the investment industry sort of continues to sort of focus on in, in improving the data so that it can actually improve the decisions that we will make. Mm, I think, you know, that, that's that been one of the things that I've known. And I'll look, I'll match you and, and, and be humble and say that, you know, having, having been more than two decades in the financial services, uh, it, journalism space, as well as 12 plus years in sustainable investing. There's some history there too, but you know, it feels as though the space between what we consider non-financial is shrinking as the ability to measure both qualitatively and quantitatively has evolved so, so quickly, which is, I think, a good thing. 
I completely agree. It was it was interesting, sort of uh, allied to that, being involved in uh, sort of first twenty. 20- uh, 20 years of my career, worked for the UK investment firm Schroders. And mm-hmm. the team that I um, worked with uh, or in for the sort of latter part of my career launched one of the first climate change funds in Europe. And, you know, I think that that was hugely instructive just in terms of seeing how the, the, the sort of understanding about investing in these areas was really accelerating in the sort of mid to late 2000s. But also, it gave me a sort of real appreciation for the way that um, uh, responsible investing means different things to different people. That's a really good segue, Jonathan. Um, how does CFS define responsible investment and sustainable investing? I think it's really important to be as specific as possible to help people understand more clearly. Yeah, I think for, at CFS, uh, our approach to sustainable investing is, I think it's best defined as finding investments that not just produce good outcomes for uh, for our clients, members of the super fund, but actually promote better outcomes for uh, individuals, planets, and policy. Um, so I think succinctly put, that is what sustainable investing uh, means to us. Now, I think you touched on this, that you know we think that the definitions are pretty important when it comes to this type of investing, it is a complex area. There are some nuances. And I think whilst it is tempting to lump an awful lot of factors together in one, um, like investing as a whole, it's important to sort of drill down to understanding the complexities, um, understanding the sort of nuances. And I think that, um, you know, I made reference early on to talking about ESG, which has become a bit of a catch-all. But in many ways, I think that ESG may, if you want to describe it as this, it's almost the sort of sustainable or responsible investing 1.0, that actually increasingly, I think the industry is moving on from that because it is, it's a snappy acronym, but actually it doesn't do justice to the complexity of the issues that we need to Think about and address, and a number of you know the, these issues cannot easily be categorised to either an E, an S, or a G. Mm, and in fact, you know, siloing some of these concepts into E, S, or G uh, can do disservice when you're talking about really complex things like climate change, for example. It, no, I think that's entirely right. And you know, I think you know, right now we're obviously, as we speak, we're sort of seeing some of the outcomes about that, which is incredibly. Um, high temperatures you're seeing across Southern Europe and also the Southern parts of the United States. But the factors behind that are are complex. And here I am dredging up studies from over 30 years ago, but um, around uh, you know the way that climate works, there is no doubt that human intervention has played a very significant role in the type of conditions that um, we're seeing. But nature is also uh, a, a very large factor uh, behind this as well. And very highly interrelated as well. I mean, so your example of, you know, the the wild temperatures we're seeing in the Northern Hemisphere, you know, the impact that it's going to be having on weather systems and concomitant, sort of, it almost makes the question ridiculously simple, but I'm going to ask it to you anyway, Jonathan. Why does responsible investing matter? 
I think it 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 is actually sort of germane to what we are trying to do as stewards of capital. It is uh, about not just producing returns to help the members of our super fund and other investors have uh, secure retirements, but it's actually making sure that we are through our, our our investments and our allocation of capital that we're promoting better outcomes for people, the environment that we live in, and um, society as a whole. But there are some real-world impacts for either not not addressing uh, some of these issues or actually not uh, uh, discussing them with the companies that we, um, that we invest in. And, you know, I think that that has been true not just sort of recently, but sort of, um, you know, throughout time. And I think that the approach that investors take to this is absolutely critical to the sustainable returns that an organization can, um, can generate. And I'll, I'll use, to, to illustrate that point, I'll, I'll use an example from probably sort of uh, well over sort of nearly 20 years ago. If we go back to um, uh, the organization I used to work for, had a very large holding, or used to have a very large holding in BP. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, a, a lot of sort of detailed analysis around that. Drilled down to some, as always with investments, sort of two or three key things. And one of the things that uh, at the time was that um, CapEx or cap- capital expenditure was just not keeping up uh, sort of maintenance capex was not keeping up with the growth of the organisation, and there were various sort of metrics you could look at this. But essentially, in order to keep the very sim- significant amount of equipment that sits behind a, a very large multinational oil company, there was just not enough money being put to work investing in keeping it safe and secure, and. We took the decision as a, as an organisation to divest out of that particular company, and mm. you know, that was not a small decision given the weighting of that company, particularly in UK indices, but also in global indices. Mm-hmm. But it was just driven by a relatively straightforward view that at some stage the lack of proper investment within the organisation could lead to. A significant issue. Now we had no insight mm-hmm. as to what that would look like, and you know it'd be wrong for me to say that even with hindsight. But of course, history has has demonstrated that that lack of investment, the focus on just the bottom line, and not making sure that equipment was safe, secure, it was up to date, that practices. Um, across the organization were focused on safety first, led to you know, what was a, a deeply tragic event, but was um, the um, accident at Deepwater Horizon. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. to us as investors, the sort of genesis of this was that this was a company that was just not investing enough to keep its equipment sort of safe, safe and secure. And to me, that was why I think that, that the focus on these type of factors, and I would tie it absolutely into responsible investing, are so critical. That is why this matters. 
let's drill a little bit further into this, Jonathan. Um, you know, you've you've brought up some really key terms to this particular part of the investment uh, sector. Um, you know, and I want to uh, clarify another one with you: stewardship through the lens of this question, what, what role do you think that investment managers um, or asset managers have in evolving this discussion around the definitions of sustainable and re- responsible investing? Um, we're in sort of a bit of a pendulum shift where there's more scrutiny on being specific and proving that what, you know, what investors say they're doing is actually resulting in either mitigated risks or enhanced opportunities. Um, so how, how, what role does the industry have to itself to play? I, I think we, we, we have a very important role, notwithstanding the fact that this is a complex area. And mm-hmm. um, you know, as we've uh, discussed, you know, th- there are uh, there are definitional debates and um, you know uh, different views on exactly what sustainable investing means. But I think it's important that investment managers are right at the forefront of making it very clear about. But I think they have an important role to play in making clear what those definitions are, I think, to the companies that we invest in, but also to the people on behalf of whom we also invest. You know, we are, you know, custodians of other people's capital, ultimately. And therefore, I think, you know, we have an obligation, an increasing obligation to make sure that, first of all, we're being very clear about the way that we think about uh, the, the allocation of capital. And the thoughts and the decisions that go into making those uh, making those allocations, and in order to do that, um, we need to be very clear around the things that are important to us. Mm-hmm. And um, equally, it probably means being quite clear about the things that we think are less important, or mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the things that may not drive the particular outcomes that that we are looking for. And so, I, you know, I think that um, asset allocators, asset owners, investment managers play an absolutely critical role in this sort of discussion. And it's not only being clear about the definitions, but it's also about education as well. We need to education, sorry, educate you know, different stakeholders in, in our industry about why this is important, but also why organizations like CFS, what, what we what we stand for, what we think is critical, and helping them understand the the implications of us not sort of standing by those um, those criteria. How do you do that at an organizational level? You know, earlier in the interview, you mentioned that there's this people, planet, and policy focus that you've identified. Um, how does that fl- flow through into the decisions that you make and the way that you communicate those discussions to the companies you invest in, uh, the members of your super fund, um, advisors who are advising people uh, on their choices? I, I think it is a constant. It, first of all, the, concept, the, the communication needs to be constant. Yeah, it is. Um, it needs to be done. You know, there's a lot of work that sits behind that. It mm. needs to be thoughtful, but it also needs to be not just constant but consistent as well. And so, I think it helps from having some sort of very clear, high-level views about uh, you know what we stand for, what we think is important when we make investment decisions, when we allocate capital to to different types of investments. But we also have an important job to continue to, uh, as 
as our understanding and our, uh, of these issues continues to evolve, because this is not a static uh, part of our industry. In fact, well, very little is. But, but I think as our sort of understanding and sort of thoughts uh, around this continue to evolve, it's making sure that we are being very clear and communicating that to the organizations that we invest in, but also the other stakeholders on whom you know we are sort of investing on other people's behalf, whether it's financial advisors, the gatekeepers who uh, sit within uh, our industry. All of us have got an important role to play. Ultimately, as the allocators of capital, we have a, a, an absolutely critical uh, part in, in that wider education, and particularly when some of the issues are really quite complex. I totally agree. Look, it's a role that we we try and play here at The Greener Way uh, with ourselves and our listeners. Um, and so, you know, the constant thread, I think, in our conversation today is that there's been significant push and pull um, in the history, the definitions, the appetite uh, around responsible or ethical or sustainable investing. What do you think the future holds? Um, <laughs> well, uh, more of the same. <laughs> yes, sort of. Uh, I, well, at one level, absolutely. I think um, the first thing is that um, there is no doubt that this is uh, an, an area of what we do as investors, which will get only increased scrutiny. And, and with that, we've talked about the education component, um, but that that I think is going to be sort of one of the sort of constants. We've also touched on the fact that whilst there's an awful lot of data that is available, I think um, a greater consistency of that data and the way that it's provided to a wide variety of stakeholders, I think is going to be very important. Um, and you know, just firming up the definitions of what these issue means uh, to the various sort of participants in capital markets is also going to be very important. What I do think is is a shift that we are seeing already is a focus on the areas which are challenging to deal with. And I think the last sort of couple of years, you are increasingly seeing organizations such as ourselves um, looking at addressing some of the sort of issues that we think are going to be critical over the next 10 to 15 years. And I'll give you an example about that, which is um, connected into um, an investment that we have made in Thrive Plus, which is uh, Just Climate. Now, Just Climate is a it, it's a it's the private asset part of Al Gore's generation investment business. Mm -hmm. And the reason why we you know we're interested in this and why I think that it's sort of germane to um, the future direction of investing in a sustainable way is that um, Just Climate is facing into some of the knotty problems around specifically climate change. And so um, the fund has already made a couple of investments looking at actually one of the hard, well, one of the greatest emitters of, um, of carbon, which is actually the buildings that we live and work in day to day. So buildings actually account for 40% of carbon emissions globally. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, just climate, you know, their, their early investments are looking into areas like green steel, uh, green concrete, 
and um, you know, increasingly looking at transportation. And this is sort of transport, transportation of goods rather than just sort of passenger transportation. And these are some of the areas that, first of all, they are significant emitters of carbon, but and, and therefore they are the areas that, yes, these are tough, tough nuts to crack, but they are absolutely the issues need, that need to be addressed if we are going to make material inroads in the carbon intensity that you know, humans have, um, have produced mm-hmm. over the last, whatever it was, three or four centuries. And also, you know, to your earlier point about BP, um, an area now um, that will come under increased regulation with uh, Chris Bowen announcing recently that there will be a sectoral approach, particularly around the built environment to drive decarbonization. So there's that that risk mitigation as well as that opportunity uh, discussion for that particularly as well. I I don't think that um, it is not new information (laughs) that buildings are significant carbon emitters. I think our mm-hmm. real understanding about the impact of construction has become a, a lot sharper. And I think it's a very good example of the way that uh, our thinking and understanding has evolved in this sort of issue. But the next sort of step, and I think t- to the point that you asked is, you know, what does this future hold is that it's one thing to sort of understand the issues. The next thing is actually how do you look to sort of seek to address and reduce the carbon intensity of of these particular areas. Excellent. Well, in terms of that evolution, I think we'll leave this conversation here. Uh, You've been listening to Jonathan Armitage. We hope you enjoyed today's discussion, which was brought to you by CFS Thrive Plus. Please remember that you can subscribe to the Greener Way podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. I'm Rachel Alambakis, Managing Editor of FS Sustainability. Thanks for listening to the Greener Way podcast. If you liked today's show, remember to rate and review us on your podcast platform and make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. Any feedback? Contact us on podcast at fssustainability.com.au. I'm Rachel Allen Backus. The Greener Way podcast is a product of FS Sustainability, a show about people, the planet, and investing in our collective future. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. The Greener Way podcast gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by discussing numerous financial sustainable options and our featured guests. It is not intended as a substitute for professional, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of The Greener Way are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. FS Sustainability operates under an Australian Financial Service License and the exemption made available under the Corporations Act 2001 in respect to any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the FS Sustainability website, fssustainability.com.au.